0: You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page. or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the polyamorous Rich Wisniewski.
1: Does that mean I like to play lots of different role-playing games? Because <laughs> I do love playing different role-playing games. I am, <laughs> I am polyamorous in that sense that I love... Playing with polyhedron dice. Oh, that's what you meant. Polyhedron dice. <laughs> that's right. That's Did right. you know, Dave, that mathematically there are only that base set of polyhedron dice. They only get um, amplified as they get with bigger facings. Oh so yeah. The triangles and things like that. There's a. It's mathematically proven. I don't know that stuff behind it. That's a little higher than me, but I saw it on the YouTube's.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's some guy talking about how, yeah. like, after the 20, it's impossible to do a perfect whatever. That's yeah. that's funny. I don't um, know how that
1: happened. I was watching Logan Paul and then that slipped up right behind it. No, it didn't. I don't even know. It's like YouTube. How do you know me so well? Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. So we were talking before the show about past love lives, and I think we had confused our guest. Very briefly about Rich's uh, ex-wives versus current wives Oh, not
2: confusing at all. I've been polyamorous (laughs) since I was two or three now, if that's the meaning. Yes. We
0: all love many board games. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just by way of introduction, Megan from Nord Gaming, thanks a ton for coming on the show. You're
2: so welcome.
0: (laughs) And joining us today.
2: (laughs) A ton of fun already. Yeah. We we're we're good, right? Like that was that was a that was a good amount for an episode. Yeah, yeah Show's great. done.
0: Like everybody, go home, get some Ooh, pizza.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, just send
1: your sponsorship fee. We're in great shape.
2: Later. <laughs> I'll so, pop that right over.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Megan, by way of introduction, mm-hmm. I always like to ask new guests, kind of, what's your gaming background? What kind of games do you play? We obviously you're into board games because mm-hmm. we're all poly for board games. But oh yeah, um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag poly for board games. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So my history of gaming is really all across the spectrum. Uh, I've got four siblings that are eight years older than me that basically made it their life goal to forge me into the hyper nerd they always wanted as a sibling. Yes. Um, So (laughs) I grew up reading fantasy novels, playing video games like Final Fantasy series was the huge thing for my family. And oh,
0: man, Were, were they like, all right, sis? We need this gold chocobo, but none of us are gonna freaking yes. race this thing. So you run oh this God. chocobo everywhere and get you it know, built up. <laughs> oh
2: no! There's more of me? I had no idea. <laughs> look, I was pl- I played like so there's an RPG called Star Ocean 2, and that has a ton of mini games, and I came home from elementary school and every day playing the cooking game and the racing game, getting my siblings items because I thought that was how that they would love me wow. um, and they're like yeah you're doing so great and then uh, now I'm 24 and I never stopped doing <laughs> that <laughs>
0: this is uh, this is rich and I's relationship too I right. um, I tell him he has to do things and it's the only way he knows that I'll love
1: him and Aww.
2: so so that's that's sweet Aww. <laughs> he loves you rich is taking
1: a very interesting turn <laughs>
2: <laughs> sounds like someone might be Polly for more than board games. <laughs>
1: Hey, Shelfies, I did not introduce that word. I think, Dave, you need to start getting some, some words from the peanut gallery sent to you, too.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I have so many words for you, Rich. <laughs> we will dole them out one at a time, and you will have to experience each one. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so you started off as kind of a little in-house gold miner for your family. They gave you all the yeah. grunt work.
2: Oh, Yeah. So I did a lot of that and then actually so even though my job now is dealing mostly with tabletop games I didn't actually start getting into D&D and tabletop like RPGs until about 3 4 years ago. Oh yeah. Weirdly enough, like, even though I went to college for acting and I'd always been in the gaming sphere, I don't know why I never connected that to something like D&D. I just oh, feel like I never found vampire. the Oh, you played
1: vampire. Just tell us all the truth. Yeah, you played vampire.
0: You know, there's some truth to that one, Rich. Like, all my actor buddies in college, all of them played vampire.
1: Oh, I know. <laughs> That that was that was gold truth. I was dropping nuggets of gold. With that yes,
0: yes, yes, yeah. So so you somehow, even though you were in the thespian scene, yeah. completely dodged the
2: super dodged.
0: Wow. All right. Yeah.
2: Somehow, and and then. Like a lot of people, the thing that introduced me to it was uh, watching Critical Role, which was a lot of people's first introduction into D&D. And I watched it and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why have I not been doing this? And so I started like I've always loved writing. So I started kind of creating my own homebrew world and then started getting friends together. And my first D&D game I ever really ran was in Korea. Finding, like, some fellow English speakers.
0: Like some expats or just some locals? Okay, yeah. Yeah,
2: so we had a a ragtag group of of D&D players in South Korea all playing D&D together, and a ton of them had never played before. And so we all kind of found it together, and from there it was... Just kind of my whole life. Um. That's awesome. So
0: you started with probably 5th edition then, yeah? I did.
2: I started with 5e. I've dabbled a little bit in like 3.5, and I did like a mini game of AD&D, but I've never... I've never really invested myself in anything I'm, other than 5e.
0: I'm surprised that you gave AD&D an entire game's worth of your time. Good on you. That's pretty
1: impressive. <laughs> you a are mini-game? now <laughs> elevated to the high level of guest status. Yeah.
2: Ooh, thank you so much. I'd like to thank the Academy. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Sure. give me giving you something to aspire to yeah the <laughs> yeah original dnd anD completely different beast uh oh, for anybody yeah. Out, yeah for anybody out there who hasn't seen them to go from fifth to second or or even first is like i don't know they're on they're from different worlds different planets
1: yeah it's like that what Thack yeah <laughs> yeah what totally does that mean
2: totally different skills. The majority of the game was us just laughing and between fits of wheezing going, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And then we just <laughs> kind of like stumbled stumbled blindly and then we are like, okay, so 5e next week. Oh, sound? it sounds like you guys
1: played like <laughs> bros. Yeah. I swear that's actually how every AD&D game feels I ever play.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm but so this- glad we did it accurately then.
0: Yeah, it was a very authentic experience. I'm yeah. like, all right, let's just keep the rule book open on this page and hope that one of these times when I read this paragraph, it, it really does sink in for the final time I <laughs> can actually play this game. Oh. So you've been recently into the, the role-playing game space, and that's really, I think you hit on the head, like that's really typical right now. There's mm-hmm. so many new faces in the tabletop gaming scene playing D&D 5e. Mm -hmm. You know, they went out and bought like the player's guide Mm -hmm. or they went and subscribed to it on D&D Beyond and a lot of them kind of stopped there. Yeah. And they they, they they that's their whole world is like one or two books from Wizards of the Coast. How did you bust out of ah. kind of the core books of fifth edition to explore other things Was that? Was that just part of the makeup of the group group you were in? Mm-hmm. Or are you just like a super curious, like inquisitive person and you're always looking for other <laughs> things like it takes a special person to go, you know what? hey and d let's try this
2: (laughs) it's super it's genuinely that I was super curious no one else wanted to it was just me (laughs) yeah like I genuinely once I started playing D&D and I realized the potential of it like 5e I, I would look online and I would see people being like, oh, well, 5e's a great introduction. It's great for basic people. And I'm like, excuse me? And so <laughs> I, I am no
0: basic bitch. Yeah, so. exactly.
2: <laughs> I was offended. And I was like, um, how dare you? I, I can do whatever I want. And so I started researching all the different, like, all the different editions and looked in the Pathfinder and looked into other RPGs, and I just Felt like I had tapped into the tip of a very huge iceberg that I had just figured out existed. And it bothers me not knowing things. (laughs) So it just became like a little passion project to me to read up and try everything I could and just get as immersed into the RPG sphere as possible.
0: So interesting takeaway there for all of us old curmudgeons that post that weird passive aggressive stance (laughs) on forums everywhere. I was like, well, fifth edition's a good intro, but there's much deeper... Much deeper wells and then dark mm-hmm. hills. It actually like inspired you to explore others. Where I think a lot of people say, "Yeah, screw you guys." Like I love Fifth Edition. Yeah. I'm staying right here, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna stay comfortable there. And like, I, good on you for taking Thanks. that as insp- <laughs> in, as taking that as impetus instead of as the kind of pseudo passive aggressive stance that that really is. <laughs> like I know oh, yeah. that I, you know. Like I get when I uh, talk about Fifth Edition. Sometimes I will kind of boil it down to that, mm-hmm. and that is. Though true for me is not everybody's truth, and so good on you for exploring off of that statement instead of uh, rejecting it wholeheartedly.
2: Oh, thanks. I mean, it's it's definitely just kind of, like you said, it's on a person-by-person basis. So when someone says, like, oh, 5th edition's a more basic version than compared to the details I used to be playing, I mean... If if I were you, if I had grown up with something more complicated and then the next version I got was a more simplified boiled down version, there would definitely be some details I missed and I would say, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, this is a, this is a lesser version of what I'm used to." Yep. And even though like after experimenting with other versions, I'm still happiest with 5E. Like I don't I don't feel the need to go back to those other versions. I really like this this current edition. Oh yeah. I think that it's a totally valid point, and I definitely recommend if other people are still like, if 5e is the only thing they've experienced, there's so many other RPGs out there. And even just exploring like a vampire the masquerade game or doing something yeah. in the cyberpunk sphere or trying the mm-hmm. Witcher RPG or something yeah. like that, you there's so much that you can explore. And when you come back to 5e, you'll have all that appreciation with you and even your 5e games will be better. So
0: Yeah, though no, that's a really good point. Like it's a nice roll it's a nice rounding experiment to mm-hmm. like, all right, I want to try some other things, see what mm-hmm. it's like over there. And, you know, I think Rich and I are both guilty of this. We are f- most fervent fans of the editions we started with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we'll ever get rich off of basic DD. <laughs> no,
2: I mean, that's never. totally fair.
1: Red book, baby, all the way.
0: Red book every day. <laughs> the entirety of your gaming experience is Red book. <laughs> How did Nord? About so, Nord Games is where you work now, and uh, can you talk a little bit about Nord Gaming and what brought you to? Nord Gaming.
2: Sure. So Nord Games is mostly a D&D 5E supplement creator. So we've got books and card decks and things that you can use to augment your 5E games. We have some stuff that's used for other systems as well. Like we have some system agnostic things that you could pop into a cyberpunk game or into your Redbook game. Lots of different things like that. But then we're also going to be branching out into different kinds of card games and tabletop games. Like we've got a we actually began with a game called Steampunk Time Machine, which was a card game where everyone plays scientists and tries to build the best machine. Yes. And that was our first thing. Like, we didn't start with d that we started with card gaming. Well,
0: and, and I, yeah, I think games. that makes that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of folks will make a content, make a thing. And yeah. then the juggernaut that is D&D. Oh, it's huge. It's yeah. like, well. I mean, if we make a supplement and it sells a million copies, that's good, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, sure. (laughs) Twist my little arm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I'm sure that all the creators over there, you all have big time D&D backgrounds. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And weirdly enough, a lot of us have backgrounds as actors. Like, I didn't realize huh. it till I got hired, but the vast majority of us were in theater. Um, huh. So a lot of us started in performing and then got into the game industry, which gives it a really fun, like, a lot of our products have a humorous, whimsical, like, very, like, well done, but lighthearted tone that I think adds a lot to... Yeah. To the game, so.
0: Yeah. When I was going through your Ultimate NPCs guide, there's so in that book, it's it's really a neat guide on like here's a bunch of NPCs of various alignments, and mm-hmm. here and here they are at different stages in their life.
2: Yes. Right.
0: And you can tell that there's someone there who's interested in character study because. Mm-hmm. You know, level 20 NPC is built on the foundation that the level five NPC version was built on. Exactly. And it's pretty whimsical. (laughs) There's definitely definitely some like real heart and character to it. It's not all like, oh, this person lost their entire village in a fire. And, (laughs) you know, it's not like this terrible backstory that's just like, how is this person functioning? They've got to be a broken soul. No, No. like they're fun. They're fun NPCs. They're fun, interesting characters. Yeah. uh, Coming out of that book.
2: And I like that it comes from that perspective, too, of like character focus. Even in our bestiary book, a lot of the we have a lot of focus on history and origin and culture of different species of monsters. And there's a lot of world building that goes into it, which yeah. is like my favorite thing. About yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: and we should mention. OK, so the supplements you guys have made, mm-hmm. the NPCs and the bestiaries, those are the ones I've seen. Those are really like DM toolkits, right? So yes. the idea is that. The dungeon master needing to build out a world or build out a village. Uh, here's some quick hit items mm-hmm. that could really flesh things out for them. One of the big things that I was really getting into with it is you think about the whole life cycle of like gnolls, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all's taken to gnolls. It's not just like, here's how a knoll tribe works. But no, here's how like gnolls advance through the society and here's their mm-hmm. pecking order and like... I don't know. Like you could very easily say, yeah, there's this, there's this knoll camp here, but there's actually a whole lot of depth behind it that uh, really gives me as a DM awesome tools to kind of say, you know, expand in that area. And Mm -hmm. if my, if my players show interest there, they can learn the inner workings of knoll society,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, back to the ultimate NPC. Yeah. No more bards. Yeah. (laughs) More, bards.
0: Oh, you Need more bards. oh, my God. Richie.
2: I am currently writing an all-caps text to my CEO on your behalf. <laughs> more bards. <laughs> more bards. I was I'm... so
1: happy to see a bard, though, when I kind of went in there. And it was like, oh, yeah, what do we got? Da, da, da. And I was like, bard? Yes. Oh, let me flip over to Mr. Bellows. And as oh, I went through his I character... Him. I was like, I was in the same boat Dave was. Great progression, great storyline. I actually, I want to go play fifth edition and steal this character to play him. And Yeah. And and use them in a campaign. Do people, have you ever heard that? I mean, I see how it can be a DM's guide. Obviously that's how it's made. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to playtesting these characters, were they playtested as characters that are now being retired to go into a book or were they playtested as a NPC in an adventure? How do you flesh that out?
2: So with fleshing that out, it's a little bit of both. It's a lot of writers and game designers just coming together and just brainstorming okay this sounds amazing and they put it together and maybe they'll try a session as that character or maybe they'll start to explore them in their own way start writing backstory or writers will um you'll notice in the npc's book there's a lot of flavor text Mm -hmm. and a lot of like backstory of their connections with other npcs in the book and it's a lot of world building even though you're just making characters so it's it's pretty much everything you just mentioned. It's it's a lot of experimenting and playing them and falling in love with these characters ourselves. And then they're great as a DM if you want to pop them in as an NPC, or we use them a ton at conventions by just saying, here's a character sheet for this character that's been created. Here's your oh, personality, oh, your nice. history, nice. and everything. So you don't need to worry about creating it, but now you get to try our book and you get to be this person. So right. maybe when they look at Ultimate NPC skullduggery, they're like, oh, I was her. And I, I loved playing her. Maybe I'll get it so I can learn about her history and then see, oh, she was connected to this other guy I never met. What's this NPC? And how can I include them in my campaign? And it's a ton of fun that way. So it's not just for DMs. It's useful for players that want ideas for themselves too.
1: And I am Bellows level eight. I have Ooh. decided if I had to pick who I am out of the book, I'm Bellows <laughs> level eight.
2: A valiant choice. Yeah, I'm my favorite. I think the NPCs warfare book just personally, there's Private Bold, who yes. is a chef with a lucky pot that by all means should be dead by now. And somehow, every time he has his pot with him, he avoids every potential danger known to man. And no one knows why he's there. He sucks at everything. He makes a great stew. That's a, that's about <laughs> his
0: core, core competency is
2: yeah, stew yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> And you know what's beautiful about that archetype? <laughs> that, that's, is that Podrick over in Game of Thrones and the idea oh, sure. too? Remember Podrick? Yeah, he was kind yeah. of that character. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is a, a, maybe that's that theatrical piece or that, that history mm-hmm. piece I'm seeing from you guys, that there are these types of characters around in life. Yes. And um, Private Bowl is definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And what I like doing, too, is um, since I run our social media, I've been doing for the past few months, we have Bold's Bowl, which is a cooking segment on our Facebook where I'll look no. up like some old medieval recipes yes. and I'll translate them as if they're written by Bold for the war camp. And then yes. along with that post, I'll include a translated modern recipe that you can even cook for your players on game night. Yes. Um,
0: so. So, so if Bold is, is like the, the party cook. Mm hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like all right, yeah. well, you know, he serves this up, mm-hmm. which I got from the Nord Facebook group.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, so- and by
1: the way, as they say in the YouTubes, link in description below. I know <laughs> oh, David yes. will be linking all this. Oh yes, oh, perfect. absolutely. This is Yeah, awesome. we've
2: got we've got those um those posts come out on our Instagram and our Facebook and I'm even working um this is a little a little hush hush and we don't know when it'll be out per se, but me personally, I'm working okay. on a little cookbook um for bold that might someday be published in some format of all the different recipes that you can cook for your players. And then maybe even some stat blocks where if you include this recipe in your game, here's how it affects your players. Here's what it tastes like. Here's where you can find it. Stuff like that.
0: That is so fun. I love that. See, like to me, a really good supplement includes additional detail into the world right yes. so like not only is this person a chef but here's the types of foods they're used to working with mm-hmm. or things along those lines and and here's what their like cooking area smells like and just yeah. that kind of stuff really helps bring characters in brings players in you know kind of sutures them into the world mm-hmm. and makes it all the more believable so i love that kind of that kind of extra little bit of detail
2: me that too you and the, that's the cool thing is that all of us, when we're making these things, we're just as excited as the people who are buying our stuff. Like everyone's like, oh, that's such a cool supplement. And we're like bouncing in our seats. Like, I know, right? It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's always the, the very much shared excitement because all the things that, that our customers like buying from us are the things that we also wanted. We're just like, well, it's not out there, so we'll make it. And then mm-hmm. we'll be excited together. Mm-hmm. And we'll just be this happy little nerdy family bouncing around, cooking weird crap together. It'll be fun. <laughs> so I totally agree.
0: Yeah. I, You know, the, the other thing with this is the like D&D supplemental market. Like I think you guys mm-hmm. are the first company we've talked to that is really, at least currently focused in the supplemental market. Yes. You guys are actually... Pretty big. Yeah. I think most folks out there will be surprised at how small most gaming companies are. Mm-hmm. But as far as gaming companies go, I was just looking at your About Us page. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, these you have a lot of people on staff.
2: <laughs> yeah, we do. And not a ton of them. Like some of them are for higher artists and some of them are part time. But like as far as having full time workers we're, I believe, second or third largest tabletop RPG company outside of like wizards of the coast in the united states wow and so like we like me being a marketing community manager, a lot of other companies don't even have room for that position just because no. you're making these supplements, you're focusing on writing, you're focusing on design, you're focusing on playtesting, and then you're focusing on publishing. Outside of that realm, everything is really a luxury. So the fact that I'm even here says a big, like says a lot about the company's success, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, in the in the work that we do, As a podcast, you know, you anticipate a little bit of attention from manufacturers whenever you put stuff out there about them. Mm -hmm. I want to say one manufacturer has really been super engaging with us, Mm -hmm. and it's because they have a marketing person. Yeah. And most don't. Most, like you say, it's really focused on building the product, getting it out there and working on the next product as soon as they can. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just sounds like you guys are really kind of blowing up. You're kind of getting bigger and bigger. And it's impressive that you're doing... Yeah, it's yeah. impressive that you're doing that as a supplemental company. You know, you're making yeah. supplements. You're not making the core game. No. Uh, that's just a really cool, I don't know, aspect of of all of this to me.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And it's very interesting, too, because you explain to people and they're like, oh, so maybe people that aren't in the gaming sphere as so much go like, oh, so you made D&D. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> no. That's
2: very sweet. Um, <laughs> no, we have not. We make supplements for it. And so... But you start to explain that. And the nice thing about like Wizards of the Coast is they have open game license. So we're making supplements and Wizards of the Coast encourages that. They want people making supplements for their game by saying, here, we're allowing you to have the license to the world and access to like these types of Game stats, things like that. So they're not barring people from making supplements like us. They're very helpful, very encouraging. We've had nothing but amazing interactions with like Wizards of the Coast and other RPG makers. It's very much an environment of building each other up. So if we're talking with people at Paizo or Kobold Press or Legendary Games or Artelsorian, something like this... That everyone's very helpful. Like I've only been like, "Hey, let's promote your thing." They're like, "Great, we'll promote yours." Everyone's just trying to help each other. So part of the reason that we've been successful is because we've had help from everyone in the industry. So it's very, it's a very heartwarming environment. It's very nice.
0: That's cool. I, I yeah. think that that's something that maybe people don't realize yeah. is that the community is so tiny <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that you all have to kind of be buds. There's yeah. no like fierce competition here, it's like, I'm really glad they're successful because if they're successful, odds are we're going to soak up some of that success, too, just because yes. of the way gamers are.
2: We're literally in the same boat. We're like, please row the boat. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, please. <laughs> it's it's a really small boat. Oh. We just Whoa. want... Whoa. We, <laughs> so it's... I. I think that that's also nice to get out there too, is that everyone in the industry, it is very small and we're just all really excited and grateful to be doing what we do. I mean, for example, like it's a bit of a different topic, but like if you look at things like tariffs recently are really difficult on small companies. Like if it's, oh, if right. you're going to be paying taxes, like 25% more taxes on things that you import from, like if you print your books in China, we print our books in China. Oh And yeah. so wow. like... It's uh, a lot of other companies do because it's the best quality. It's the cheapest or the most reliable.
0: Sure. yeah, they have the infrastructure for it. Exactly. um, Whereas most other nations have gotten rid of their big print shops.
2: Exactly. And so, for example, we get hit with that. And as a smaller company, we genuinely have to work really hard to make sure that we're okay. And... For example, like on their Facebook page, Legendary Games, uh, which is another RPG publishing company, they had to post a statement saying like their revenue for the year is gone because they need to put everything they have into making sure no one gets fired and making sure that they stay afloat doing what they love. And so like when that happened, all of us band together and we're like, okay, how can we help? What can we do? Like how, how can we make sure that we all get through this together? Because it, it affects all of us and we all want to be successful. So it's very much a work together community in spite of having different companies under that umbrella.
0: That is really that's a really heartwarming story. That's so cool. You all reached out to try and be helpful, like like um, uh, proactively. So not yeah. like, yeah, that's so neat. That's so awesome.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really great. I mean, the fact that I even ended up in this community, I would have never known this unless I started working at Nord. And now that I have, it's. It makes me love D&D and tabletop gaming even more because I know the people behind it are really genuine. And so it's been a ton of fun.
1: How much are you gaming now?
2: Um, so current gaming, I just got a, I'm working full time now and like very full time. So (laughs) I'm not gaming too much on my own. (laughs) Yeah. I've got lots to do, but I'm still doing one shots. I'm still doing little things here and there. And then I've been working on my own campaign setting for like two years, just for like personal use. And I'm really hoping to start, doing that homebrew like end of this year, early next year when I move out to California. So I'm very excited for that. But until then, it's probably just going to be like little one shots and things, which keep me afloat.
1: Yes, we, we know a guy named Mitch that has incorporated role playing into the office. To yes. That wouldn't really be hard for you guys at all. But, oh no, you know, lining <laughs> yeah. up after hours for people to get together. And I think he has a campaign that's been going on what day for like for months. Two,
0: two years. No two years. No. Yeah, yeah, that's a awesome. Time. Yeah, yeah. And it's I think it's really neat that there's so much D&D now that mm-hmm. that is like acceptable. Like, it is. <laughs> like it's like it's trendy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How amazing is this time?
2: It's crazy and I love it so much. And it, which is which is also interesting too because I'm definitely on the younger side of the spectrum. So like a lot of people I'm talking to D&D about are people that started with earlier editions and I'm I'm 24. Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. all of my colleagues are getting into D&D as well. And I'm like, how the hell did you find out about it? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, these things. And it's, like, super cool. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Just people from all walks of life are getting into it. And it's a ton of fun to see. And I don't know. Filled with love. That's basically the gist.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. I have on my page my favorite mm-hmm. item out of the bestiary. Dave, <gasps> did you... Did you pick a favorite Ooh. item? And I'm going to go first. So you got about 10 seconds. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I loved what you guys did exploring out. And this might be, I'm an AD&D guy, right? I'm a basic okay. guy. I'm AD&D. Um, I played 3-5. And by the way, I love all your artwork. It reminds oh. me of the first day I cracked open a 3-5 book. It's amazing, went, right? What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> and my my favorite little guy in the bestiary, and I almost want to play him as a character, mm. is the forest goblin trapper.
2: Oh, my gosh. I love the Trapper. Yes. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: What an unbelievable little spin. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as playing basic D&D and AD&D, you just go, there's goblins. <laughs> there's yeah, there's no. The no, that there's is not is no longer the there's
0: case. There. That goblin has a backstory. Yeah, they've got a they've got a family to feed. They've got a
1: yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and is that something? Is this you know? And this is me just trying to look for some of the differentiators in life. That if I were to have picked up fifth edition. And I got my monster manual and I got my, my player's handbook and my DM book. Am I going to see different variations besides goblin shaman and goblin fighter, or is it take a supplement like yours to really expand out that environment?
2: It's really like, that's one of the things that I had the most trouble with with 5e is there isn't a lot of that variety. And so what's difficult is like, if you're playing 5e and you just really love goblins as a species, you love goblins. They're so much fun. You love going and then like making them go away. It's a ton of fun. But the problem is that. The actual Monster Manual or even like supplements, some of the more modern 5e supplements, like if you look into Volo's Guide to Monsters or Xanathars, things like that, or of foes like they might have some extra, but it's not a lot of variety. They're not yeah. really giving you... An idea of the culture and history of this type of being. Yeah, it's It's saying
0: one-dimensional.
2: Exactly. And so what we really wanted to do with this, our writers, um, Ralph and Lou were some of the biggest writers on this. They're in London. They spent a ton of time doing like historical research and really putting together an idea of how cultures are formed and what kind of roles would these people play? Not everyone's just going to be a goblin running around aimlessly. Like, you're going to need a trapper. You're going to need a shaman. Common. You might need like a thief or something in particular because they're not just fodder. They have their own culture within themselves. And so I really like that about this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's neat to see like all the little handouts that you guys made for the yeah. various creatures, like uh, like little notes from adventurers talking about the creature. Yes.
1: Oh, even the challenge rating.
0: Oh, yeah. That, yes. section.
1: that is mm-hmm. such a huge DM help. Oh, yes. yeah.
0: I think I think CR as a new DM. Learning how to manage that is probably one of the, it's, it's almost like the worst red herring in the base books.
2: Yes. Cause like
0: you look through it and you think, okay, I now know what's going on. And it, it's like all of us that have been DMing for a long time go, you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like you have no clue until so you get in there and make the mistakes yes. that the challenge rating system encourages you to make.
2: Yes. What I like about those two is, for example, like we have the challenge ratings in the bestiary and it helps you build those encounters. But also something that we found was like if people don't have our books and they just want to use the actual D&D supplements, but make encounters more easy. We have a set of wandering monster decks and there's yes. four of them and they're organized by underground dungeon, wilderness, and waterways. Yes. So if you pick up a deck, you can pull a card and on that card are going to be at least four different Fights with a type of monster, and those fights have the quantity of monster, what page you can find them on in the monster manual, and the CR rating that that challenge is good for. So, if you're in the middle of a game and you're thinking, "I did not expect them to go to this area that I have not created yet, but I guess we're here now," <laughs> and you're you're just like,
0: "Which I... game doesn't have that problem?" Like, oh, honestly, yes. yeah. I know.
2: <laughs> Yeah, and so. Oh, yeah. All the time.
0: You you describe the landscape, and there's a hill that's a little (laughs) bit taller than the others. And the player's like, let's go to that hill. It's like, It's got to be a grave. And I'm like, what? No. (laughs) Why?
2: It's just how land is formed. I don't know how to tell you. And so if people wander over there, you can be like, okay. And you go to the Wilderlands monster deck. You flip up a card. Maybe they have a crappy perception check. They flip up a card. And it's like, okay, there's four different four different challenges on here. My party's about a level 10. I'm going to drop in the CR 10 fight here. And all you have to do is pop open the book to the monster manual. And you don't have to worry about how appropriate that fight is going to be for your players. Right. Uh, On the flip side, it's really good. Yeah. And like, For example, I don't always want to give my players something that's CR appropriate. Sometimes I like want it to be really easy, or I want them to run in fear. And so it's got a D12 chart, so you can just roll to see what encounter you get as well. And then it keeps things really interesting. So...
1: Nice. Well, speaking of decks, I'm in super love and will be (laughs) purchasing critical hit decks, critical hit deck for player, critical hit deck for GMs, and critical (laughs) fail
0: deck. Yes. Yes. Critical fail. I love anything like those little house rules that say, look, we're going to introduce this thing. And um, <clears throat> players, there's going to be times you really love this decision and there's going to be times you really hate this decision, but it's going to completely add more flavor and more character to the things that happen around our players, yes. you know, around our characters. Like they're, they're, their lives are now more enchanted <laughs> for yes. better and worse.
1: <laughs> oh, I've been making my own critical versions high oh, sure. and low for mm-hmm. years. I looked at what they had online and looked at the sample card. And I was like, oh, these are great ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. one yeah. card out of a whole yeah. deck.
0: Yeah. I like. I really like the deck approach as opposed to the roll on a chart approach. Yes. Because roll on a chart, you roll the die and you go look at the chart. It's like, okay, now I got to go over here. So it's like, no, no, no. I'm going to flip up a card. Players may not even hear that I'm doing this. Yes. All right. I got the card up uh, You know, against my DM screen. I'm going to quietly flip to the page while they were talking about the thing they're talking about. Okay. And now... You know, this thing happens. and I just really like that.
1: And I love how the cards are, um, they even have certain things. So if it's a melee or if it's a mm-hmm. uh, ranged weapon attack or a spell, each card has a certain flavor for that type of attack or that yes. type of situation.
0: Right. So it makes sense awesome. in the moment. Yeah. And to it's nice.
1: That's sometimes what happens to me is I roll for someone's critical and then I got to be on my feet. I'm on my heels, I should say, trying yeah. to go, oh, how do I apply this and what they just did? Yes. Um, it takes some of that guesswork yeah. out. I was really impressed with that.
2: Oh, I'm glad you like them. Yeah, that was that was a big focus when they were made, just because it also keeps every card fresh. You could have pulled the same card, yep. but now it's a bludgeoning attack instead yep. of a magic attack, and it does mm-hmm. something totally different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's it keeps the cards very fresh and it makes them almost infinitely reusable. Like you're never going to see the same thing on a card twice. And then the other thing that's nice about them is that they're ranked on level of severity. So you could pull a card and the card could be like an inconvenience as opposed to the cards that are labeled deadly that oh. have an ability to really ruin everything. So if you just want them to add a little bit of flavor to your game, then you take out those cards that can really change the game because right. some players might be upset about that. Can, right.
1: you, can you tell me how you use the luck deck?
2: Sure, yeah. So the luck deck is divided into half critical success cards and half critical fail cards and i use them mainly not for battle but for things like skill checks and ability checks things like that so if someone rolls a 20 if you look into the uh, 5e book there's no actual rules for critical hits and critical fails for skill checks it's only for battle right so if you want to include the luck deck if someone rolls a 20 and say they they get an amazing perception roll. Because of that, you give them a D20 card that they get to use at any later date to augment themselves. Oh,
1: nice. So for
2: example, maybe the next NPC they encounter takes a weirdly strong liking to them. Maybe someone that like wouldn't have liked them otherwise is very fond of this person. Or maybe on your next skill check, you get to add a D6. So maybe you did so well earlier, you're just on a roll, and you get a little bit better when you fail. On the flip side, if you roll a one, now you're handing your DM a card that they can use against your character. Oh, so man. Maybe... She
1: said DM. Yes. yes. I oh, like GM. Her so mu- oh, no, no, no. no. You no you I right. like you so much. You just say DM all the time. That's the right word. <laughs> Rich, Rich hates GM. It's oh, so I'm fun. such
2: a DM person, too. No, I, it's no, so hard no, for no. me to say GM. Oh, that's funny. That's I awesome. Know. I don't care what setting you're in. You're, you're a master of dungeons. I don't yes. know what to tell you. Yes. So- <laughs> But like on on the flip side, you could have the DM using a card against you that removes points from your skill checks or maybe the next like, I don't know, maybe you lose a random item on your person for For no reason at all. Oh yeah. You remember that 50 foot rope
1: you thought you had? Yes. Yes. Exactly. It fell out through a hole. Play my card.
2: Exactly. And there was, I don't know if you've heard of a, of a uh, Twitch stream called quests and chaos. They're a, they're a D and D stream on Twitch. That's really like been gaining a lot of popularity lately. Cool. Quests and chaos. It's DM'd by our friend Thomas, who is also in the Santa Cruz area by us. He uses the decks on stream and he used a critical fail luck card to misplace the cleric's casting focus. Oh. So
0: she yeah, tried, you go for it, and it's not in that
2: pocket. She tried to heal, and she couldn't. <laughs> and so it was. It created like a whole side quest arc of this woman who was trying to heal, and because she was just really crappy earlier in the day, she just happened to be like. Her mind was somewhere else and she misplaced her casting focus and it was so cool. And little things like that really add for a lot of variety in a game. And it's not game breaking either. It's just a nice addition.
0: And and the really the key thing there is that the GM and or the player get to hold the card. They get to have decision of when that effect takes place. You know, in certain circumstances, that could be a TPK moment. Yes. And the GM could say, or the DM could say, look, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this until it's not a TPK moment, mm-hmm. but a huge problem, yes. <laughs> you know, and that's, uh, I think I, I like that about the, uh, the luck card deck is that it's, a uh, you decide when to cash in
2: that card. Oh yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I use that one all the time. So as I looked at
1: that and purchasing online, do you guys sell through anything like drive through RPG? Do you sell through places like that or is it no, go to the website to find all your materials?
2: We do a lot of things nowadays. We sell on our website. The website's probably the main place to get everything. That's where you can always be sure things are there and in stock and ready to ship. We also sell some things on DriveThruRPG. For example, we've had uh, had 18 successful Kickstarters so far now. Oh, wow. (sighs) Yeah. So total, I believe it's Eight hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars raised so far through Kickstarter for those eighteen wow. projects. And so, okay, yeah.
0: keep going, keep going. I want to talk. I want to ask about uh, Kickstarters in a minute. Up-
2: for, for those, we have some supplements that were like add-ons for the Kickstarter that aren't necessarily as good to sell on their own. Like maybe they're just supplements for things we already have. Mm-hmm. So for example, we have cards of the NPCs in our Ultimate NPCs books. So if you want to use those cards at the table as opposed to opening the whole book, you can buy those cards on Drive RPG. And so on our website, it'll direct you to Drive Through to get those. Gotcha. Other than that, we sell through a lot of friendly local game stores. We supply a lot of people around the United States with stuff if you want to buy locally, which we super recommend. Help support everyone you can. And then also, we are now selling through distribution. So, like Alliance and Universal is helping to ship in bulk around the country and around the world now. So, a lot of other game stores are going to start getting our products. So, hopefully, people can buy them local as much as they want. So If people listening are interested in purchasing and you have a local game store, recommend going there. If they don't have Nord Games products, you can ask them if they want to order it or then you can just go to our website. But we definitely recommend supporting local if you can.
0: The Kickstarter question I had is some of your products were not Kickstartered. Yes, and others were, how do you make that determination? Cuz whenever I see other makers, some it's like every little thing they make gets a Kickstarter. <laughs> and others never do a Kickstarter. Yes. Since you all kind of straddle that line and some mm-hmm. do some don't, what what is what product says this is definitely a Kickstarter and what product is definitely not a Kickstarter? Like how do you make that determination?
2: That's a great question. That's that's something we're honestly still figuring out ourselves. Sure. <laughs> it, it genuinely, it depends on the product type. And it depends on how much fervor we think it would gain as a Kickstarter project. Because Kickstarter itself is trendy right now. Sure. Like having a Kickstarter is something that's very appealing to people. And so sometimes we look at a product and we go like, for example, one of the things we just Kickstarted last year is called spectacular settlements and that is a book in it's going to be about a 400 page tome of how to make settlements of all sizes from trading posts all the way to capitals and fort and like fortresses yes and so in it is all randomized charts with form fillable pdfs that come along with it that allow you to roll random civilizations and settlements that you can pop into a game and so we look at that and we're like that's incredible That's gigantic. Like, that takes a ton of work. And so in order to do that, we need money to be able to pay our game designers and our writers to work on that for an extended period of time. Right. So we look at that and we go, that's absolutely a Kickstarter. We need more money up front. And we think that we have a lot of fun add-ons that we can offer for it. Sure. As opposed to something like, for example, the little cookbook I touched on earlier. I have no idea what's going to happen with that. It's a ton. It's a fun like passion project for me. I would love if it became something, but it's not something we're going to kickstart. It's something that I can do when I have little bits of time here and there. And it's not something that the entire company has to invest capital into producing. Right. So it, it's all just walking that line of when do we need the money and how popular do we think this is going to be, and do we want it to be? Yeah, and then and then we kind of make the choice from there.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah. See, I, I, I knew there was a there's was a, a reason behind it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and I and, like
1: your <laughs> reason too. I really like the reasoning that you know it was going to take so much investment. You just better make sure the market's there too. Yes. And if you do a Kickstarter, not only do you have that funding to get this out the door, you know the market's there. It's
2: a right. guaranteed interest. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, very nice.
0: I mean, full stop. Kickstarter has saved the tabletop gaming Hands industry. The, the idea that we all as consumers get to say, no, 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 I, I want your stuff so bad. I will give you money <laughs> that I don't ever expect to see back. <laughs> and maybe I get product, maybe I don't. You know, if I invest at a low enough level, yeah. maybe I just get a thank you. The, that model, bar none, has made so many things possible in the gaming space.
1: Oh, yeah. How do people make suggestions to you guys? What's the best way? Like, I, I mean, I got a great NPC suggestion, but I don't know how I should do. It. How should I get that over to you?
2: <laughs> Discord, actually. We have the
1: Discord. We have a Nord Games
2: Discord. We have channels on there where people run tabletop games. We have a community, just the Nord Lounge, where all of our fans, our coworkers, like everyone, just gets on there and talks. So we've had people like right now, the Spectacular Settlements is playtesting. So everyone who kickstarted it is playtesting it together and talking about it on Discord. And that community is just a Riot to watch like everyone being Like I rolled a city in the middle Of a swamp and I have like nine Stables how yes. does that even occur And so now That's d yeah,
1: yeah
0: you're I mean those stables are full of swamp Monsters I don't I was know born in the
2: fantasy. It was actually uh spoiler That was my settlement yes. um, And now I have a swamp City with swamp horses that yes. are Just spindly legged weirdos that Everyone yes. rides around the swamp and it's amazing I, I never would have thought of that on my own sure but i was spitballing with people on the discord and it was hilarious and it just it's a really great community it's been growing a lot too See, we have people just hanging out there every day so
0: megan i am so happy you said it was on discord <laughs> if this is what gets rich to use discord on <laughs> a regular basis i'm gonna be so happy <laughs>
2: oh rich i'm sorry
1: i know because you know what i need is like a merchants of venice book Dude, you know ooh. i got this one guy
0: rich i got this rich
1: 15th level guy named Come On the Great, and he makes his way into every game I play because I only have like five merchants in my head, and one of them is Come On, and he comes out every time. So I need a book. That is like, how do you do merchants and shopkeeps? And yeah. uh, oh, something yeah, along it, those it lines. immortalizes him. yes. Um, yeah. Oh, well, come on needs to be in it, but that's you <laughs> know, I I
2: Can I just point out that that is weirdly applicable? Because we partner with a company called Loresmith that just finished a Kickstarter called Remarkable Shops in their wares. Which has, yeah, eight fully, it comes with eight fully done shops. It comes with over a thousand options on different roll tables for shopkeeps, shop locations. Oh yeah, it just finished funding, but as soon as the backer kit's up, if anyone here is interested in a little uh, backdoor entrance to the Kickstarter, I know I know some secret pathways. So we if you want to get in as a late pathways. backer. Yes. Yeah. And we and I will you know we have like
1: listeners, so you're safe.
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. All five of you, yes. you can email me at marketing at Nord and I'll get you into that Kickstarter. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will not put your email in the thing just so you yep. don't get hit with a ton of spam. But folks, if you listen closely, mm. you now have a way in. <laughs>
2: yeah, Just, uh, knock three times and scream something. And then yeah. I'll
0: come. <laughs> You're going to get so many weird emails now. <laughs> Do you guys have any big projects coming up that we need to know
2: about? Oh, gosh. We... (laughs) We have so many projects coming up.
0: That you're allowed to talk about? Yeah,
2: that's, what, <laughs> that's literally what I'm going through in my brain right now. What am I allowed to say? Um, don't worry, just tell us everything. D- yeah. <laughs> the shelf is in us. The shelf is in
1: us. We'll yeah. keep our mouth shut. We'll,
2: just we'll it cut it go. out of the episode. Wink, wink. One thing that we are super excited about, that we're hoping for a release around Halloween, which we're actually hoping. So again, hoping, hoping, hoping. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a not release.
0: a, th- folks, this is not a commit, you know, no. don't send hate when it shows up in november like it's fine just
2: a <laughs> sea of asterisks and caveats just imagine all <laughs> of all of the ways this won't go right but what we're hoping <laughs> is we have a a little card game coming out called descent into madness that is cthulhu themed
0: <gasps> nice
2: and so it's going to be our first time really branching away from D 5e in a while but it is incredible. It's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be a perfect release for Halloween. Hopefully we're going to be at Gamehole con. Oh, uh, So place. That's a con hoping... I've been wanting to go to. Oh, yeah. And so we're hoping to do the release at Gamehole Con, which would be wonderful. If it doesn't work out, that's OK. But we are we are pushing as hard as humanely possible to get that out. That and is then... so
0: cool. And, you know, good on you for looking at. Cthulhu themed stuff.
2: Yeah. if so you, much fun.
0: It, one, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Two, mm-hmm. if you go and look at RPGGeek.com, mm-hmm. like the top five play, uh, role playing <laughs> games, like two or three of them are Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, So, <they> are. like, <laughs> it's a really popular system and it's a lot of stinking fun.
2: It's a ton of fun. It's brutal too, which yes. is awesome. So, we're hoping to encapsulate that. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I think what we should do then is kind of turn it over to you. Can you tell our listeners how to find nord gaming how to get connected into all your various community touch points
2: yes so we are at nord games on just about everything we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on our facebook page has about 12000 likes right now we've mm-hmm. got a lot of interaction there lots of fun stories so if you're interested in daily posts and just kind of like whether it be weird memes or just communicating with people in our community that's a great place to go Uh, our Discord server. We are also Nord Games on Discord. We have invite links on all of our social media. So if you want to join that, you can just click that and pop over.
0: Yeah, it's important to remember that Discord is invite only. So when people say we have a Discord server, you got to find the link and it's it's good that you all put the links in all your socials. That's uh, critical.
2: Yeah. Aside from that, you can find us at a lot of conventions coming up. We're going to be at Hole Con if anyone's going to be there. We're going to be at PAX Unplugged as well. So if anyone is interested in saying hi to us in person take a look and just in general we're always open to emails talking to anybody and we're mostly just a community of nerds that are very excited so (laughs) if you're excited to talk then we're excited to talk with you too
0: that's awesome Megan thanks so much for coming on to the show and talking about yeah oh yeah so much fun so much fun having you on (laughs) talking about Nord Gaming and all the cool stuff you guys are making and just the business in general. Like, it's really neat to get a little peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm super thankful that you were able to come on and share with us. And it's just so, so neat to hear.
2: Oh yeah, it was my pleasure. I I had a ton of fun. You guys are great.
1: You know, uh, <laughs> one last thing. I uh, bought all my decks. Can you check on that shipping status for me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Before Gen Con, am I gonna? Can you can you put priority A one on that? No. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I might even pop a little something fun and extra in oh there. Oh, my gosh. you. Yeah. Yes. Aren't you awesome. <laughs> Yes, Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you after. You let me know, and I'll get you something fun. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, folks, if, if you find them by way of this episode, just shoot them a little note. Just a little, hey, heard about you guys on HSG. Just so that, you know, everybody knows the love. There's yeah. nothing, like, official on that. I just, you know. I, I like, I, mean, I like knowing that we're at cause in the world and that people yeah, don't are
1: bombard things. their channels with rich memes. That's not <laughs> <what you want.
0: laughs> Hashtag sweaty, Rob. No, yeah, none of oh, those, none of those.
2: Please, please do that. Oh, I want nothing more. Don't listen to him.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, for everybody at home who's been listening, thanks a ton. You're all awesome. All our little shelfies um, as always have fun and play well.
1: May all your roles be crit.
0: Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Yeah, mute your cell phones, please, Rich. (laughs) You're... Whatever Tinder stuff that you got going on. I don't know what you do oh, exactly. these days.
2: He needs more wives.
0: Yeah, more wives. More wives more, for Rich. More wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that tells me I already know your word today, Rich. <laughs>